Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, one of the most exciting things probably for uh, uh, Jewish kids as they grew up was something that Jesus experienced with his parents. Uh, it says uh, in uh, the, the book of Luke and that every year when the Passover came, Joseph and Mary and Jesus made the trip to Jerusalem to be part of the Passover, the celebration there in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just them, thousands and thousands of people did this. And if you can picture Jerusalem, probably about the size of Worcester, okay, it's that, that kind of city, obviously not the huge buildings like that, but that, that size of city. And, and they would say on these feast days, sometimes the city of Jerusalem was two, three times as many people as normally were there. That's exciting, huh? You come in and all this stuff and the, the, the things that they did and experienced. And so, but large groups would be traveling on the road then. If you're coming from Galilee like they would have been, I mean, just thousands of people on the road. And, and uh, the Bible talks about when they would come close to Jerusalem and it was up ahead and they're going up and they had psalms that they sang and, and also, it just it, exciting time. Uh, probably somewhat confusing sometimes. Uh, but what, what happened in the, when Jesus was 12 years old, something happened when it was time to leave and the, the group, all the people that came from Galilee kind of probably left more or less together and they headed up the road and walked the day. Somehow or other, Jesus missed that. And he wasn't with his parents and, and they left and they assumed that he was with them. And so they get to the end of the day and let's go to settle down and say, Joseph, have you seen Jesus? <laughs> no, I thought you knew where he was. So they have traveled a whole day by foot, okay? And Jesus is nowhere to be found. They can't find him in any of the groups that are from Galilee there. And so the next day, they have to travel all the way back to Jerusalem to try to find him. And, and when they get there, probably that night, they probably looked around some, but then the next day they went and they were looking everywhere, maybe all the places that they had been or what, and, and couldn't find him. And somehow or other, eventually they came to the temple and found Jesus sitting with the teachers of the law and discussing the law and all those things that it meant. And, and they were quite impressed, the teachers of the law, with Jesus in this conversation. His insights, I guess it ought not to surprise us, right? He was the Son of God. But by this time, can you imagine Joseph and Mary a little bit flustered? A lot a bit flustered? Because <laughs> they can't find him, they don't know what's going on. And so Mary says, we have been searching everywhere for you. And, and Jesus, uh, talking to them, and I don't think in a disrespectful way at all, uh, but, but said, well, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, you didn't need to be searching. You, you should know where to find me. Because here's what he said. Don't, don't you understand that I, I need to be about my father's business? I need to be about my father's business. Of course, then he went home after that, and, and the Bible tells us he submitted to his parents and, and, and grew and, and you know, became uh, the man Jesus that we read about later. But I must be about my father's business. That would be a great thing for all of us to adopt, right? As our, you know, our, our, when we think, what am I supposed to do today? Well, today I must be about my father's business. business. 
Well, Jesus was talking about specific to himself, but it does also apply to all of us as God's family. And I want you to think about this a little differently here today. Just a little bit differently. The father's business is the family business. You see, we become children of God when we trust Christ as Savior, right? We, we, we understand that we've sinned against God. It's separated us from him. We, we come to understand that Jesus died for our sins, rose again from the dead, and then by faith we place our, our, our trust in Christ to be our Savior. We receive him as Savior. We become children of God. Well, so the Father's business is the family business, all right? The Father's business is the family business, and so all of us who are part of the family should be involved, involved in the family business. But what is the family business? And how do we carry it out? Uh, you see, we've been talking about if, if, what it really means to be a Christian. And we saw that first, our, our identity has to intersect with the identity of Christ, and, and that's what happens when we receive Him as Savior. Then we, we learned that another thing, what it really means to be a Christian, is realizing that I'm never the most important person in the room that Jesus always is. And then we talked about how that Jesus must be, uh, we don't add Jesus to what we do, we make him our life. And he becomes our life and he is, uh, everything that we do centers around him, not the other way around. And then last week we talked about loving people like Jesus did, that's what it really means to be a Christian. And so today we wanna start talking about what it really means to be a Christian is it means that you are actively involved in the family business. You're part of the family business. Well, so what kind of business is the family business? Well, maybe it's the glorifying God business, right? I mean, haven't we heard that? We're supposed to glorify God, right? Are you with me on that? We're supposed to glorify God. And, and yes, that's absolutely true. Since, since we know, uh, and by the way, since we do know Christ, we will glorify him. We will glorify him forever in heaven, in eternity. We're going to do that, but we're supposed to glorify him in this life as well. How do we do that? Well, we do it by acknowledging him in our lives and all the things that happen in our lives. We do it by pointing to him about the things that we see and understand in the world. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Making much of him, of his word, his ways. Uh, many references in the Bible says, and they glorified God. They glorified God. Well, but specifically, uh, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, he also said in John 15, he says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And we do that by staying connected with him. And then by being morally pure, 1 Corinthians 6, is that whole context talking about that. And he says, that, he says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, so living in a way that's consistent with who God is and, and the way that he says we are to live is very important. And they're all part of what it really means to be a Christian and to really live like one. But is that the family business? Is that what we're supposed to devote our lives to as Christians? And we ought to be glorifying God every step of the way. That's true in whatever we do. But is there something else we need to consider? Well, Jesus had something very specific and pointed to say about this whole idea of glorifying God that might and I actually, I think will point us in a little different direction. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. 
If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to use the one that's in the pew there. I'll give you page numbers. We're going to be on page 1245, page 1245 in the Bible that's in the pew. John chapter 17. This is Jesus' prayer to his father as he gets down close to the end of his life. We want to just focus in on one verse, verse number four. Jesus praying to the Father, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So how did Jesus glorify his father? What's he say? I finished the work that you gave me to do. I was about your business. And I finished the work that you've given me to do. And this is a, a, a great example for us. He was very clear about how he glorified God. So what if we apply that same idea to ourselves? How are we going to glorify God? How, when the end of our lives come, would we be able to say to God, I have glorified you in my life here on earth? Well, the way we would do it is if we said, could say what? I finished the work that you gave me to do. I, I was actively involved in the family business, accomplishing the work that you gave us to do. Well, we still haven't solved what the family business is, but we do need, know we need to be about it, right? Are you with me on that? We're going to glorify God by finishing the work that he's given us as the family of God and fulfilling our part in that. Well, Jesus has some other things to say about this uh, that I think really clarify it for us. Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, page 1150 in the Pew Bible. <clears throat> We're going to look at several verses here. These are his final instructions to the disciples. Uh, different aspects of it we'll see as we look through it. But his final instructions. I'm leaving you behind. Here's what you need to be doing. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse number 18. Again, that's page 1150. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Turn to Mark chapter 16, page 1176 in the Pew Bible. Mark 16. And verse number 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to, to every human being. Turn to Luke chapter 24, page 1219 in the Pew Bible. 1219. Luke 24. We'll start in verse 46. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name 
to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Turn to John chapter 20, page 1250. John chapter 20, verse number 21. Jesus has appeared to the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection. And he says this, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. And then this, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So sent on this mission, the same way that Jesus was, to bring people to Christ. Acts chapter 1, just turn over a couple pages in the Pew Bible, the 1252. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 7. He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay? This is the family business. And how did the Christians in the New Testament understand what Jesus had said? Well, turn over to Acts chapter 8. Persecution occurs. They have to leave Jerusalem and go. Acts chapter 8, by page 1262, verse number 4 says this. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And by the way, I should have already mentioned, when, when the Bible here talks about preaching, you're saying, oh, that means what preachers do. No, when the words talking about preaching here, it's the idea of proclaiming to people, letting people know, telling people about Christ. It's not about a formal stand up in front of everybody and preaching, although there is a place for that. But I want you to know, who here in verse 4 are we talking about? Therefore, those who were scattered. This is the Christians, all the Christians that were scattered. Wherever they went, what did they do? They took the word of God and the gospel with them and shared it with people. So they understood Jesus' command, the family business, to be about me sharing the gospel with others. So the Great Commission is the family business. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Well, one of the things it means is that you are on a mission. Christians are on a mission. From the time you come to saving relationship with Jesus Christ to the end of your life, you are to be on a mission. That is the family business. It's an all-encompassing work that God has given us to do. And if you are a child of God, part of the family of God, you are to be busy in the family business. The Great Commission. Now, there's a couple different aspects of the Great Commission, and I think we understand this. There, there's the first, you have to bring someone to Christ, don't you? You have to, they have to understand that they need a Savior and that Jesus has come to be that Savior and how they can respond. They know, how, well, how do I trust Christ as Savior? They need to know that. So we have to help them with that, and, and, and that's part of it. The other part is then once they do trust Christ as Savior, then we've got to teach them, don't we? We've got to come alongside them and encourage them and help them to understand what it means to live like a Christian. But one of the things it means to live like a Christian is being part of the family business, so we're helping them to also join us in telling others about Christ. We haven't done right by someone who's gotten saved and we help them to learn what it means to be a Christian if we have not imparted to them that 
they need to be telling others about Christ too. The same way you brought the gospel to them or somebody else did, they need to be helping others to come to Christ as well. So with these two ideas of, of getting the gospel out and reaching people for Christ and then helping them to grow as Christians so they can begin reaching people for Christ. Well, how do we know what our specific job is then in the family business? Well, as near as I can tell from the Bible, every Christian is to be involved in every aspect of the Great Commission. Now, we might have specific things we do in it, but we're to be involved in every aspect. That means every Christian is to be involved in reaching people for Christ. And every Christian is to be involved in helping those who are reached to grow. We are to be involved with both of those things. And so here's the idea, right? We, we, we reach someone, we, we bring them to Christ, and then we help them to grow. And part of that growing is learning how to reach people for Christ. And so they reach someone for Christ, and then they help them grow. And, and you help them grow to the point where they're reaching someone for Christ. And it, you see, it just goes on and on. I think you get the idea. And in the process, we keep growing ourselves as disciples. Let's think about the family business and the Great Commission here. Let's put together a mission statement, right? Businesses have mission statements, so let's try to put this in words. Our mission statement, we reach people for Christ and help them grow so they can join us in reaching more people for Christ. That is our mission. Why are you still on earth? You've come to Christ. He's changed your life. You're going to be in the eternity. He's, he's called you into the family business. And so why are you here? If you're still here, you have work to do. And, and, and you, you, know, you can't say, I finished, <laughs> finished the work you gave me to do yet. It's ongoing. It is the Great Commission. Okay, now, this is important to understand. And this is where I really want to get to you with today. Nobody can say, oh, my part in the Great Commission is to help believers grow part. That's, that's my part. You know, I'm gonna, my part is to do the help those who've already come to Christ part. Uh, it's not for, I'm, I'm not going to be actively involved in the bring people to Christ part. That's somebody else's thing. I'll, I'll be the helper. That's not what God says. It isn't what God says. You know, you're saying, well, I'm up for the edification part, but, you know, I don't, I'll leave that evangelism stuff to other people because I'm not comfortable with it. And far too often, this is where, as Christians, we end up in our thinking and our living. But I, let me just see if I can get this across to you. If you, we're talking about what it really means to be a Christian. If you think that somehow you can be living the Christian life and not be involved in reaching people for Christ, you have a defective understanding of Christianity. A Christianity that does not reach people who are lost, is not on purpose engaged in that, is a perversion of, the, of Christianity. Because it's never been about that. It's always included reaching people for Christ. Now, do we need people to help, to, to be actively involved in helping believers grow? Sure we do. But I want you to think about this. You don't get to pick and choose what part of the Great Commission you want to be involved in. Well, I'll do this part, but not that part. 
We don't get to make that choice. The whole Great Commission is for all of us. Now, if you are not personally, actively involved in trying to reach people for Christ, let me, listen, if you are not personally, actively involved in trying to reach people for Christ, you cannot effectively help others become the kind of followers Christ wants them to be. You can't give away what you don't have. You're a bad example of a Christian. So what makes you think you can help other Christians grow when you're a bad example of what it means to be a Christian because you aren't trying to reach people for Christ? And so what I want you to see today is that it is the outreach part, the witnessing part, the sharing the gospel part, the evangelism part that I think we tend to lack the most. I mean, anybody here enjoy your church family? I do. It's so encouraging to me when I come and I see you here or talk to you outside of here or whatever. I just love it. Okay? That's the easy part. And there are parts of that that are hard too. But when it comes to reaching out to the lost, that isn't something you just kind of sit back and enjoy, is it? You have to stretch yourself. You have to do something. You have to Get out of your comfort zone. You and you have to reach out. It's something that we must consciously and purposefully do. We are all to be involved in sharing our faith and reaching people for Christ. And remember the big, the big word that we use for this is evangelism. And this part of the, of the Great Commission is for all of us. Evangelism is for all of us. Now, some of you might be here saying, well, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Isn't evangelism a spiritual gift? Well, absolutely not. It, it is not. It's a responsibility, not a gift. Evangelism is a responsibility, not a gift. You say, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say something about evangelism as a spiritual gift? Well, let me tell you what it does say. It, it sort of says it, but here's what it says. It's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 when it says that God has given certain people to the church. He gave the church apostles to fill the role of apostles in the church. He gave the church prophets to, to speak, thus says the Lord. And then he's given evangelists. People who are evangelists. In other words, these are people who have this perspective. And there are people who, have you ever known anybody who seems to be that that's how they looked at life? They were evangelists. But he, and it says pastors and teachers. But he gave all of these to the church to equip the church, to grow the church. And so he has given the church people who are evangelists. But their role is not to be the ones who are doing the witnessing. They'll do that, but not. Their role is to equip the church to be witnesses. You see that? So in other words, this evangelist, God has gifted this person to be able to help all of us assume our responsibility to witness. So the idea of evangelism being a spiritual gift is a misnomer. It's not really uh, that isn't what it is. Evangelists were given to the church, not a spiritual gift of evangelism. And it's interesting because Paul told Timothy that in his pastoral role, he was to do the work of an evangelist. And, and so that means as a pastor, he is to do the work of an evangelist to try to equip his people to be witnesses, to help them to know how to witness, to encourage them to witness, to motivate them to witness which is obviously what I'm trying to do with you here today, doing the work of an evangelist. 
And think about this. Right on our church logo, it says what? Providing a genuine opportunity to know Christ. What does it really mean to be a Christian? One of the things it means that we are on a mission to reach people for Christ. And most, if not all of us, could do a lot better job. I'm not asking for a response, but do you think you could do a better job of this than you are now? Some of you might be really active and faithful and do it all the time. That is so awesome. But statistics show that only 31% of Christians share their faith, even though 100% of them think it's important. But only 31% actually do it. That means that 7 out of 10 Christians do not on any sort of regular basis share their faith. Can that Christian, as they approach the end of their life, say to God, I have glorified you on earth because I have finished the work that you gave me to do? They won't be able to. That's what the statistics show. That's the average. What should the norm be? Well, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus himself said, every Christian should be sharing his or her faith in some conscious, purposeful way. It's a non-negotiable part of what it really means to be a follower of Christ. And that's what we've been asking. What's it really mean to be a Christian? So a non-negotiable part is being on a mission to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is part of the family business. And like Jesus That's what we are to be about in our lives. Now, I I don't know what comes to your mind, you know, when I'm challenged up here to be a witness and to share your faith. And and we've probably all known people, haven't we, who, who did that in ways that we were uncomfortable with? Have you ever seen someone share their faith in ways that made you cringe? You know what I'm talking about? You know, that they're just, you know just harsh and mean and self-centered. And I don't know if that comes to your mind. You think about people and you say, I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I don't want that. Well, I understand that. If, again, if you're talking about someone who's harsh, hard-hearted, self-centered, in your face, not really acting like a Christian kind of Christian. No real Christian wants to be like that. But listen, think about this. I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you rationalized away your responsibility to be a witness by pointing at what is obviously a bad example? Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I don't want to be like that, and then, so I don't witness? Is it really that or nothing? Let's use an an analogy that helps understand. Think about when it comes to lawn care. Lawn care. You say, I don't want to be like one of those fanatics who live for their lawn. Now, maybe some of you are those fanatics, and that's okay. It's hard to see that picture as clear, but that's like a perfect lawn. You've got to be a fanatic. You've got to spend every minute lots of money trying to get to be perfect, never really satisfied, obsessed with the lawn. I don't want to be that kind of person when it comes to my lawn. So, is this the solution? Just park the lawn mower and never cut the grass again. 
Now, some of you would say yes, I know. <laughs> but we understand that's not the solution to not being a fanatic. Have you done the same thing with witnessing? Well, I don't want to be like that, so I just don't do anything. Let me encourage you. In fact, I want to, I want to challenge you today to stop worrying about being a fanatic and start working at being faithful. God doesn't expect you to do what you cannot do. God has called you to do what you can do when it comes to, to reaching people for Christ. He has called you to be faithful in every relationship he has entrusted to you, to be a witness there, to share Christ at whatever level you're able to. He has called you to live openly as a Christian, not in hiding, openly as a Christian. He has called you to ask him for opportunities to tell others how they can have a relationship with Christ and be saved forever. Do you do that? Are you ready to say, God, please give me an opportunity today to talk about Christ with somebody? And we make it a point of prayer. He has called you to be alert to the opportunities he does provide and to use them. Use the opportunities. Don't excuse yourself from the opportunities. You know, it's just a starting place. One of the easiest ways to get the gospel to people is by inviting them to come to church with you. And, and as you do that, you'll have conversations and you'll grow and you'll have the opportunity to share Christ, but it's an easy way to do it because they will hear the gospel at some point when they come here. Give you something to talk about when you leave here. You know, gospel tracts are another way to do this. And I, I, uh, I meant to bring one up here with me, but I didn't. And, but here's, I, I know sometimes gospel tracts might seem kind of weird to you, I'm sure, but let me tell you what we can do. Anybody here saved? Saved? Is there, oh, is there a story behind that? Is there a story behind that? How you got saved? Right? Where you were coming from, what was going on in your life, how the gospel came to you and how you responded? Yeah? All right. We can put your story in print. Okay, uh, we, we can help you put your own testimony of how you came to Christ into a pamphlet that you can hand to other people. All right, see, that's just, this is my story. And this is what I use. I hand it out, and it tells how I came to Christ. And, and I use, I, it's, it's very easy to hand and say, hey, listen, this is my story. This is, this is, you know, what God has done in my life. This is a story. And, and hand it to people. People are interested. And then I usually tell them, don't let the picture scare you away. <laughs> and they kind of laugh. Like, and then they look at it and they take it. And, and people have read it and they've come back and talked to me about it. You know, another way you can do this, uh, start sharing, wonderful tools available on your phone. There's an app for that. Okay. <laughs> When it comes to witnessing, and, and uh, so I've got a, uh, there are numerous apps that you can help share your faith in. So I want to show you two examples here. Go ahead if you would to the, okay, there's an app for that. Go to the next one. This one's called Share Your Faith, and it's the bridge illustration. And it's, it's going to take us through the diagram, but see where at the bottom where it says relationship, and if you swipe that up, go to the next, say there, it gives you the basic idea of what you're going to cover on that slide. So you can use that to show them, or for yourself, go back to the next one. But also, when you click on verse, it actually gives you the verses that support that part. And then the next click is an insights if you, to help you understand how to explain. Okay, so let's, let's go through this here. 
So it starts with us and God, and then, and we're gonna move real quick here, John, so just, that's right, and then set it up that we are separated, uh, and that, hang on, good works, you know, we try to do good works, but where's that gonna take us? Go ahead, John. The ideas are gonna fall short, and, and then uh, we die, and there's a judgment after death. Go ahead, John. And then we talk about how Christ came, died on the cross to bridge that gap or to provide us a way to have a relationship with God. Go on. Okay, so death is conquered. The price has been paid. We receive Christ as Savior, and that enables us to move from where we are into a relationship with God. And then it asks, does this make sense to you? That gives the opportunity to talk, and if there's any questions, to try to answer any questions they have. Go ahead. And then, based on this diagram, where are you in your relationship with God? You ask them, and that helps them to identify where they're at. And for you to talk with them. And then next, uh, would you like to receive Christ and cross over to God? And so you ask the question. And then there's actually in this app, hey, here's something you could pray, and it talks about it and explains it. So, I mean, what a cool little tool, isn't it? And, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of, you're looking at your phone with somebody. Have you, ever looked at, have you ever looked at anybody's smartphone when they show you something? Right, we do that, and so it's not a big deal. Let's go to the next one, there's another app here. Uh, it's called eWitness, I and mean, it's really, if you know the wordless book, it's just using color, so let's go, we'll go through this pretty quick. It shows uh, the color, and, and you click on verse, it shows this over here, it says black symbolizes death and has verses, so go on to the next one, John. It does the same thing with red, red being the blood of Christ, and verses, and then I, I'm not showing the verses again, but white, uh, symbolizing you know, holiness and purity. Gold is symbolizing heaven and being able to, to go to heaven. Uh, blue symbolizing, I can't remember for sure. <laughs> and green symbolizing the life that we have in Christ. Blue might have been receiving Christ, I don't know why, but anyway, so go ahead. And then again, do you understand what I've shared with you? And then you can click on some of those verses if you wanted to, to show them if you need to, and then a sample prayer again over here. And uh, so, go on, that's, I think that should take us to. Okay. But there, there are these awesome kinds of things, and there's lots more available than just this. I'm going to uh, ask Jeff Stappenbeck to come up here at this time, if he would, because uh, God just did something in his life and used him in a way that uh, illustrates this very thing that I'm talking to you about here. How many of you have the version Bible on your phone? Okay, a bunch of you. All right. Well, Jeff's story. Yeah, so uh, three, I think it's about three weeks ago, we had the Bema presentation here at church, and uh, that was awesome. I just really, really, really was moved by that. And um, just the thought of being before Jesus and having a conversation with Jesus about what he actually did in my life through me in the lives of other people just really kind of stirred me to want to just evaluate, just think a little bit about my life at the time. And, you know, I just thought, God, I was asking God, what, you know, what could be a part of my life right now that I could just, that I could just do to, to just be a little bit more intentional about uh, being about what you're doing in other people's lives. Like, I know I have a relationship with you, but, but I know you're pursuing other people that I interact with every day. And so obviously work came to my mind as, God, you've put me at my job for that reason alone, or for at least that reason. Um, And so in that, God put in my mind to just start to use my YouVersion Bible app. Every day, it has a verse of the day. And for my job, I have to have every day somebody come up to my truck. I, I sell batteries for interstate batteries, and I drive this big truck that has about 300 batteries on it. 
and I have to have somebody count my truck with me, make sure my inventory is correct before I leave the warehouse. And then when I come back uh, from the end of my day, I have to have another person help me unload my truck, count my inventory, make sure it matches up, and then help me uh, load it and leave uh, for the next day. And so I have at least one person, usually multiple people, two or three, sometimes four people helping me with my truck every day. And so about three weeks ago, what I did is I just started this kind of thing that's going to be expected every time they come to my truck. I said, so you help me with my truck today, you're going to end up, I'm just going to share a little inspiration with you, a Bible verse of the day, and if you're okay with that. And you know what happened? Everyone, every person that I said, are you okay with it? They said, oh yeah, sure, go ahead. And then I opened up the verse and I read it in to them while they read it with me. You know what I found was pretty cool? Most of the time, some people were just like, oh, that's nice, thank you. But most of the time, every, every person, they started to expect it because it's kind of the same people coming up every day to do it. So like, oh yeah, we got to do that thing. We got to do the Bible verse. So I need the inspiration for the day. Oh yeah. And then I have guys that don't even get on my truck that day. They're like, oh, come on, give it to me today. I need it. What is it? And you know, it's interesting. It, with the Proverbs, it was pretty cool. Like a lot of them are Proverbs, right? And what I found is a lot of guys want to talk about that because they're like, you know, that, that is a gen, kind of a general truth that they've experienced in their life. Most of the time, the Proverbs are kind of a general experience, so they got a lot to say about that. But the other thing is cool is that there's multiple verses that are very clearly gospel verses, that, that that's a portion of our situation before God or what, Christ, or what God has done through Christ in our lives. And they also want to talk about that, believe it or not, which was really cool. And um, on Thursday this week, uh, I had one of the guys um, just start talking with me about the verse, and what was pretty cool is, is, is we just started talking about the gospel, just continuing to talk about it, and there was a moment when he said, Jeff, you just changed my whole outlook on life. I have never understood that before, and, um, and so we talked a little bit further, and um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty clear that he understood his situation before God and that he knew that he needed to make a decision about where he stood with Jesus. And so right there on the back of my truck while I was at work, uh, this man uh, prayed to receive Christ as a Savior, which was pretty awesome. Um, and, so, and so we've been talking and just, uh, just continuing to talk about what it means to be a Christian, and, and so you can be praying for him. His name is Henry, um, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about that, and I just look forward to, you know, it's, it's something that I look forward to every day. I know that I'm going to get to do it, and, um, and I'm starting to do it with more guys just kind of throughout the day at, at work um, because I have a relationship with them. They know who I am. They know I'm a Christian. And what's cool is they're very open to that. They're, they're, they're not antagonistic. If they were, if they said, no, I don't want to hear it, I wouldn't push them on it. That'd be fine. But I give them the opportunity and they decide. Thank you, Jeff. And, and just a couple of things I want you to understand from that is that... Uh, you all may not do that same, but you have the U version. It gives you a daily verse, right? And it just, so he just shared it. The second thing is this. You've got to understand this. The people in your life, whether they're people that you see all the time or whether it's people that you only come into contact with once or whatever, but I want you to know this, that God is actively working in those people's lives to draw them to himself. How do I know that? Because you're there. You understand that? You're there. God has you there interacting with those people. That means he's wanting to use you to draw them to him. 
So there's lots of other resources, good videos on YouTube, and make sure you watch them carefully and choose what you recommend. We'll try to help you with that. But most importantly, start talking to God about sharing your faith. Ask for his direction and enabling and for opportunities. And then be openly Christian with everyone in your life. How would a Christian talk in this situation? How would you answer questions when they ask you, what are you doing? What's going on in your life? Be openly in Christian. And then sincerely care about people. Really care about them. Value them and talk with them about Christ when God gives you the opportunity. And he will. And I would say to you this, that if you feel like God never gives you the opportunity to share your faith, you're missing something somewhere. And then be faithful in it. Very quickly here, four areas of outreach that every believer should be involved in in the family business here. First is the members of your own household, okay? From infants to grandparents, anyone who lives where you do, includes your children, whoever. Be faithful witnesses to them. And then your circle of relationships. This is family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, any other relationships, everybody that God puts you in contact with. And obviously different kinds of relationships there is going to affect your witnesses. But be responsible for all of them. You know, we are way too afraid to share our faith. Way too afraid to talk about church, but let's say we're going to do it. Third group is with your church outreach efforts in the community and region. So when we as a church schedule something and plan something as an outreach, make it a point to be involved. Get involved and support it and help it and invite to it, as the case, whatever the case may be. And then around the world through our church missions efforts. Um, through supporting missionaries, new churches, other organizations that assist them. You know, if you're not giving to missions... Through your church, you're not on board yet with part of the Great Commission. And it's the family business. We need to be on board with it. Now, as we close out here today, stop and think about what would happen here at Life Source Church if not 30% of us, but if 100% of us started taking our responsibility to witness very seriously. How many people will be saved and avoid eternity in hell if we do that? How many people will we reach, not only through our own efforts, but through the faithful efforts of new believers who join us in the task? Because you win someone to Christ who then invites someone who gets saved. And if we took this seriously this year, here we are at the, at the, you know, coming up the start of summer. If we come up next year, the start of summer. For this year, we took this so seriously and we prayed to God and said, Oh God, I, I'm going to be a witness. I need you to help me to be a witness. Lead you, give me opportunities to witness. And we asked God to do that. And, and then we, we did witness the, the best we knew how. We invited, we followed up, we made our lives about the family business. There's not a reason in the world I can't imagine that each of us couldn't reach somebody in the next year if we set it at the high priority that God does. And that would double our size in a year. Twice as many people now joining forces and resources with us to reach more people for Christ. And I'm not really, you know, I don't really, to be honest, I don't care about the numbers. The only thing about the numbers is that numbers represent people and people matter to God. And we need to do it. It is an essential, non-negotiable part of what it really means to be a Christian. And we need to start now. If, 
if, we, if you're already witnessing, you want to just make sure, am I, you know, am I really doing what I ought to be doing? If you aren't witnessing, you need to begin. And if you say, I don't know how, great, let us know. Talk to us. Come join us on Wednesday nights when we actually work on that. We'll help you to know how. But we have to decide to surrender to the Lord in this. By the way, it'd be worth it. Your, your life will get exciting when you start sharing your faith. It will. Do you know, when you start sharing your faith and you start inviting people to church, it'll change how you feel about what goes on in church? It will. So many things. All right, so one of the things it really means to be a Christian is that we are on a mission to reach people for Christ. It is the family business. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that you've included us in your mission. And I pray, Father, that you'd stir our hearts about being faithful witnesses for you. Lord, I pray that uh, when we, as we leave here today, that we'll leave committed to figuring out how to be witnesses. We'll start looking maybe at tools we could use to help us witness. And, and we'll do something, Father. I pray that a good number of folks here, Lord, will come and say they want to have that track that's their story. And I pray, Father, we'll start seeing more and more people saved, that we can then help to grow in their lives as Christians and to where they will be faithfully reaching others as well. But change us in this, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.